Hi, I'm Gordon Lampier, and welcome to The Real Finds Podcast, a podcast series where we speak with key entrepreneurs, scientists, and activists who are shaping the real estate community, and as a result, our world. In today's episode, we'll be talking to Emmanuel Lebois of Jetstream. Jetstream is a really unique platform that is shaping how we look at the hospitality industry. In the interview today, we're going to discuss the decentralization in the real estate industry, long-term changes in the hospitality industry, and Jetstream, which is a really unique asset for property managers that's helping expand the way in which property managers can get value out of their short-term rentals. This is Gordon Lamphere, and uh, here we are with uh, Emmanuel. Um, he has one of the most interesting tech products I've seen in a while. Um, he's really revolutionizing some of the ways that hospitality booking is done. And uh, Emmanuel, I'd like you to uh, start us off. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Thanks, Gordon. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me on your, on your podcast. Yeah, a mechanical engineer by training, spent 10 years doing building consulting engineering, which frankly was somewhat interesting, but somewhat kind of boring. And so I got tired of selling hours for a living. So eventually I started a business and that sold it and joined Jetstream, which was then called Leavetown. Leavetown.com is still our direct channel. Uh, and joined my good friend in the business. And uh, it was just a tiny little weenie thing then. I knew nothing of hospitality tech. I've never worked with software developers in my life. Uh, and here we are eight years later, and uh, we've had a wild journey, which I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about on this show. Um, and uh, yeah, we're, we're going all guns blazing, and we've created a very unique solution technology offering for the brokerage, real estate, realtor space, which I'm excited to tell you about today. So one of the most um, uh interesting things about you um, is that you started out in a really fundamental down and dirty part of the real estate industry, the uh, HVAC uh, area. So um, could you tell me a little bit about HVAC and um, what you did in a previous life? Yeah, I could tell you what the, the, this day that I really realized I was in the wrong side of the business, I'd visited a customer of mine in, uh, in Sacramento and he was on the marketing of real estate side and I was there to do a boiler energy retrofit kind of study. And we walked into the building and he went right into the marketing office where there was a lot of young and attractive people. And I went into the boiler room of this like 60 year old building crawling around, sizing, taking measurements of ducts and size and stuff. And I really, <laughs> That day was a profound day in my life. Like, wow, is this what I'm going to do for the next 30 years of my life? Uh, but that's that's an anecdote. But really what I did was, it was interesting. I mean, I worked on anything from very, very large homes um, all the way to healthcare, uh, commercial buildings. Uh, so one of my last projects was a, an elementary school where I designed the entire mechanical system. It was geothermal, um, and it became the most energy efficient school in that school district. So there's a lot of good that comes out of being an engineer because you actually create port parts of buildings that are going to be around for 50 to 100 years. And if you make them energy efficient, yeah, you've contributed to society. So I, I like that part of it. I just didn't like selling the hours part where, and even it's even worse than that. You're actually pre-bidding on a project and you're like, well, it's going to cost me 80 grand to design this. And six months later, there's been 17 revisions by the architect. And you're like, well, I can I have an extra? And they're like, no, no, you said it was going to be, you know, X amount of money. And it's just, no, thanks. I didn't need that. 
So can you tell us a little bit more about selling the hours and kind of your mentality um, and how that has inspired you? Because I think one of the things that's particularly interesting about the real estate business is you have such a wide swath of people, people who are selling hours and then people who are working in a completely different world. Yeah. Yeah, very good point. And I, that's why I love the real estate side so much, by the way, as well. It's a new discovery for me. Uh, but on the selling hour side, young, I graduated mechanical engineering. But, you know, the last year you had to do specializations. And a lot of my peers were doing kind of specializations in line for a master's degree in something uh, related to engineering. And all my specialization courses were around the business side of things. So I think I naturally had a really strong interest in business. And I read uh, E-Myth back in the day. And it was like early 20s. <laughs> And I know late twenties, by then I'd started my own consulting engineering company, but essentially, you know, in the quadrant of rich dad, poor dad, I'd gone from an E to an S. I was now a self-employed engineer, uh, which is probably the worst quadrant, to be honest with you. <laughs> and reading the emoth kind of just kind of crystallized like, oh yeah, this is not a good business. If you want to grow a business, you know, it's, it could be a good quadrant for all kinds of other reasons, but for what I wanted in my life, it wasn't the right quadrant. Not that the quadrant model comes from Emith, but Emith helped me kind of understand that idea. And I also I realized the only way to make more money in this space was to hire, well, to charge more hours, more billable hours, which means you have to hire more people to charge more billable hours. And even then, at the end of the day, when you sell the business, it's not worth a lot of money. So all of that is like, I need to get out of here. And it took me a while. First of all, I had to sell my business. Then I did a three-year journey for the acquirer. And I didn't have to. I just felt that was kind of needed just to, to do good on their purchase, even though it was a tiny purchase in retrospect. Yeah. So it was a nine year journey all said and done in that world. So understanding the value of your time, is that what inspired yeah. you to move on to uh, kind of a, a more risky, more out there passion? Yeah. Uh, yes. I've always, I, you know, again, I'm not a software developer, but I'd been seeing this kind of the ability to write, software that repeats the process obviously as we all know i don't need to explain so i want it to be part of that uh, in some capacity and just by luck my business partner today but friend then him and i met paragliding on top of a mountain kind of said hey you know i got this little thing why don't you come and join me in the business and i did and it, i took a salary cut like a big salary cut you know i was mid six figures and all of a sudden i was <laughs> a lot 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 less than that and I was kind of late mid thirties then. And I kind of looked around after a year and a half and we still hadn't figured out product market fit, you know, and I'm still making not a lot of money. And I remember thinking, am I doing the right thing here? Cause I'm watching my peers and my friends continue in their career. Uh, but you know, you hustle, you scratch the surface somewhere and you hustle hard enough. You'll, you're likely to find something. And we eventually we did find a product market fit. And, and that was the real launch of this business. So can you talk a little bit about how you found a market fit? Because I think it's a, a particularly interesting journey that you've taken from originally leavetown.com and now you're in a, a, a similar industry, but it's a little bit different. Yeah. So, so leavetown.com, which is still our direct booking channel, the goal of the original goal of leavetown.com, which is what I came into the business in, was we were trying to create an OTA, an OTA is slang for online travel agency which is booking.com, Expedia, even Airbnb, even though that's an OTA with a strong community aspect, it's all places to book travel. And we were foolish to think that we could somehow compete against booking.com and their $6 billion a year of AdWords spend. <laughs> anyway, so we went at it 
but it was a really cool site. It much, in a way, the branding was much, much better than it is today. Uh, back then it was trying to be this Canadiana bears and moose and all this thing. So we would go to all these resort companies, uh, condo hotels, which we have a lot here in Western Canada on the ski slopes, the kind of inventory you'd find in Breckenridge and Vail and this and that. <laughs> and we'd say, you know, would you want to be on leaftown.com? And of course everybody would say yes, because it was such a cool site. But in reality, we weren't making any money with leaftown.com. But what we were doing manually, and we didn't even tell our partners back in the day, uh, although we could have, but we didn't, uh, and we should have in retrospect, is we would put their listings on VRBO and eventually on Airbnb uh, manually. No APIs, no tech, just manually updating calendars and stuff. It was super messy. But of course, then we would get bookings because that's where the eyeballs were. And then we would call the resort and say, hey, we have a booking. Are those dates still open? Because obviously we don't have a, a live availability feed. Uh, and by hustling this for so many months or years, eventually Airbnb and Verbo both said, you know, hey, wow, you got a lot of great inventory. Would you build an API to feed it to us? And that's more or less at the time all of a sudden the light bulb went off and we realized it wasn't about leaptown.com. It was about software and connectivity in the background. Yeah, that's it's fascinating how sometimes really getting deep into the uh the uh the woods can uh can uh, can configure the way in which you really find where that true value add is so, 100%. yeah and we, go ahead sorry oh no um so i wanted to talk a little bit more about that because uh the hospitality industry isn't that different than the rest of the real estate industry that even though they are a little bit ahead um they're definitely behind you know tech or finance or a lot of industries in terms of implementation of technology. Um, and one of the things that I think that's particularly interesting about your product is how it's kind of bridging that gap from kind of old to new. Can, can you speak a little bit about how the hospitality industry has embraced technology? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think hospitality has actually embraced technology more or, or quicker than real estate side, if I can just throw that out there. Yeah. Um, yeah, so what we solved in that space is we were the first to bridge a software gap between traditional hospitality and their software systems, and traditional, I mean, hotels and condo hotels, yeah. and new to them, marketplaces like Airbnb and Verbo. Okay? That's, that was our role. So in order to do that, we had to not only bridge software, but we had to provide hospitality because we're the ones responding to all the inquiries on VRBO and Airbnb and so on. So we're kind of this outsourced hospitality tech solution for these large, large companies. Like most people listening to this will know IHG, Intercontinental Hotel Group. We work with 600 of their hotels. So it's that kind of scale of hotel company. Um, and yeah, they were, I'd say even in, within hospitality, I think in some ways the hotel industry was early to adopt some technology back in the 90s and so on, but a lot of their tech today is a bit legacy and archaic. And the more modern tech you'll find in hospitality is now is the more modern property managers who have distributed assets. Uh, because you need to have better tech when you have 100 homes in Nashville, Tennessee with different addresses and different linen packages than when you do when you have one building with 100 units served by one elevator where your cleaning people can just walk around with a cart and serve all of that, right? So that's where we have the more progressive. Uh, and then by chance, and we can talk this a bit more, but we essentially landed offering something on the real estate side where we're bringing our hospitality tech experience and now putting it into the hands of real estate people. Yeah, I think that'd be fascinating to hear a little bit more, more about that. Um, I think one of the things, and, and I think this goes along with it, 
that makes your product so much um, of a game changer is how you incorporate smaller shops into the business. Yeah. And I think that's what you're talking about. And if you could elaborate on that, I think that'd be phenomenal. Yeah. So I, I just love stories or Genesis stories because to me, they always paint the picture. Well, how did you end up doing this? And what do you, about 18 months ago, we had a, a broker, a single broker owner on Cape Cod. She found our website and our website never talked about working with broker, but she said, you know, I'm a buyer's agent mainly. When I sell a home, a lot of the buyers, they like me and they say, could you do my vacation rental management? Because these are oftentimes secondary investment properties on Cape Cod. And she says, and I don't, I don't want to, this is not my core competency. I'm not a vacation rental management company. Could you help me? And around her, you know, 18 months later, here we are. Now we have many more um, and signing up brokerages now, not just realtors. Um, but essentially, yeah, we built a, a technology and service solution, which is essentially not too different than what we were doing on the hotel side. But when you apply it first to a new market, you get to kind of develop the product around where essentially our tagline is we're a business in a box solution that empowers brokers and realtors to market, manage, and monetize their short-term listings. That's the elevator pitch right there. And we're yeah. truly a business in a box. And we can take any brokerage. Usually it's brokerages and leisure destinations that really resonate with this because they can see how much money the property managers around them are, are making. But a lot of them don't have the technology in-house or even the, the, the desire, frankly, to do a lot of this. And Jetstream comes in with a package solution and we say, you're now a property manager, but we're going to do 95% of the work in the background and we do it under your brand, which is what they love. Yeah, very cool. So the next thing I wanted to talk about that I, I think is uh, uh, makes your kind of background particularly interesting is you did have a little bit of a venture into the real estate world. I know you talked about it on a couple other podcasts, and I think it gives a really unique insight into figuring out what makes you and, and kind of your methodology particularly interesting. Yeah, I got, in summary, I got wiped by 2008. I was late 20s. Yeah, yeah. yeah a lot of people did. I was late 20s. I bought a house the year before like 250 grand and a year later the thing was worth 350 grand like it was insane in the town i was specifically in canada very hot destination and some unscrupulous mortgage lender allowed me to pull even way more money than that this mortgage lender by the way subsequently lost his license because of this kind of stuff uh, so i had all this money and then i went and bought another property and i was supposed to stratify the price anyways it was going to be a two-unit little it was my first real estate development because ultimately in my heart of hearts i still want to be a real estate developer and this was like, I'm going for it. And I, mean, I won't get into the details, but 2008 and a few other things all hit me right in the face at the same time. I did not go bankrupt. I clung on, I held on and dug myself out of a financial pit for five years. Which is and when I, impressive, by the way. So. Yeah, thank you. From salary. You know, it's all fine and good to lose 100 grand when you have 200 grand. But if you lose 100 grand and you have zero, now you're negative 100 grand. You can't invest your way out of negative hundred grand. <laughs> you got to pay your way out of negative. Anyways, that's the situation I was in. And when I finally wrote, when I sold my last house, that's when I moved from there to Vancouver, Canada. Um, I wrote a check for seventeen thousand dollars to the bank, and wow. I had that house for seven years. And I sold it for two ninety three in two thousand thirteen. And now they've rezoned the entire area C4 for four dwelling units. And it's worth like 900,000 bucks. I had three of those and I lost a hundred grand. <laughs> well, well, you know what? 
look, any developer that's been in the game long enough yeah. knows that the market goes up and the market goes down and there are plenty of successful real estate entrepreneurs and developers that lose and they end up winning often somewhere else. So, oh yeah, exactly. I think, I think the big win is Jetstream and Leaftown.com. So yes, if we can go back to Jetstream and Leaftown.com, I think I'd like to focus on kind of what your ultimate value add is. I think one of the things that, that makes you guys special is you work with basically what, four or five different types of commercial real estate folks. You work with your managers, you work with your uh, larger, more traditional businesses. If you could go down the list of kind of what you guys actually do uh, yeah. fully, I think that'd be uh, terrific for our listeners. Yeah, okay. So our technology and our service offering is more or less partner agnostic. Okay, and I'll talk about that in a second, but let's talk about the product and the service. So the software itself is a, to, to use MLS type wording, is a syndication engine, except that we syndicate to Airbnb, VRBO, Booking.com, Google, Expedia, Home2Go, Holidu, TripAdvisor, and the list goes down, down, down. Everywhere people are shopping to book accommodations. And of course, our own website, leaftown.com, and we also power the website of our partners. So if you were to create, if you have a brokerage, Gordon, Brokerage, Gordon's Brokerage, we can power gordonsbrokerage.com. It's actually powered by our tech. But that's kind of the demand generation side. And then once the guest books, we have a suite of, like a, we're part of an ecosystem of software, which we've you know integrated with all these uh, third, we call them best in class third party solutions, which complement our offering. So one of which is uh, guest screening, like sophisticated guest takes a photo of their face, of their driver's license. And then once they've passed screening, we have a software partnership with an insurance company that puts in a million dollars of damage protection behind that guest, behind that booking, uh, keyless access solution where they only get a code that works for while they're there, um, noise monitoring to detect parties in the asset. We do all of the dynamic pricing and yield management. Uh, we integrate with on-site cleaning companies through software so they know what to do, when to do it. Uh, and also finally guest amenities delivery which is soap, shampoo, uh, cream, all branded under your brand, under gordonsbrokerage.com, if you want the soap to say that in the shower, for example, for the guest. And we handle all funds from getting the funds from the guest to distributing the, the funds to the cleaner, to the broker, to their agents, uh, and to the homeowners ultimately behind. And even the, the, the fund delivery to the homeowner behind the brokerage and the agent uh, is white labeled and branded under Gordon's Brokerage. Thank you every single booking multiple times a month in the asset owner's bank account is your name and your brand. Yeah, huge value add. Huge, huge value add, yeah. So that's that's the tech and, oh yeah, well that's the tech. And then the services, we have a team of reservation agents located around the world and we respond to all inquiries, live chat, web, uh, sorry, WhatsApp, email, phone, uh, 24-7, 365. So our teams are in Canada, Spain, and the Philippines. All of them are our own employees no outsource call center whatsoever. And then we do all content creation and optimization. So we maintain the listing content so our partners don't have to do that. So that's kind of the jet stream as a whole. And then we take all of that complexity and all these software integrations and we package it and sell it to different verticals just on a rev share model, which, which people love. And so the best rev share model, sorry, the best vertical for us is the brokers and realtors because they are, um, you guys are uniquely positioned in the middle of transaction flow to capture inventory for management, put it that way. And most brokerages and realtors in North America don't do short-term rentals yet because it's complex for all the reasons I just listed. Exactly. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, but we also partner with just asset owners. One of our customers and great friend owns a, um, 
boutique. He's a Canadian real estate developer, but he built a 15-unit apartment building slash boutique hotel in Mexico in Sayulita, florencesayulita.com. And uh, we partner all of that, including that website that I just talked about. So we work with small real estate developers. We've even partnered at one point, and that's kind of stalled because it's an under-renovation. We'll never know if it'll come back, but a U.S. pension fund acquired 10 hotels, 2,200 rooms. They're renovating all the hotels. They're a pension fund. They're not a hotel operator. They, it's a complex what they're trying to do. But anyways, they picked Jetstream. And we even partnered down all the way to a small single homeowner. We're not fans of single homeowners because they're, you know, it's a small deal for Jetstream. But yeah. if they have a nice home, because some people have really nice homes, we'll definitely partner with them. Well, hey, I yeah. mean, look, there's there's a tremendous gap just generally in the real estate industry with tech. I mean, what is it that in the United States, somewhere in, depending on where you look, 40 to 45% of all GDP comes from small businesses, right? And so yeah. if, if you're get, bringing that big value add for your small to mid-sized hospitality industry businesses, I mean, that's a, a unique uh, way to enter the market and a really unique way to, to reshape how um, folks are connecting with uh, where they're going to spend the weekend. So well, let's, um, yeah, let's talk about that real quick because you had asked me that in the question and, and that's really close and dear to my heart. Right now, there's hundreds of millions of dollars flowing into private equity that are buying real estate inventory for short-term rental purposes. So that's one field that most of us are not playing in. You got the likes of the Vacasas of the world that are also public now, took a beating recently, but nonetheless, they've raised hundreds of millions of dollars and they're doing a roll-up of property management companies and they're going around to brokerages and say, send us your homeowner leads and we'll pay you two grand. Whoopie-doo. And now they're turning into a brokerage Vacasa. So Jetstream really is the only solution out there that is really purpose-built to power the small, because you mentioned the smaller operator, the small brokerage, the realtor, to compete on a global scale, because we're the same technology stack as those guys, but instead of building it for ourselves and then raising hundreds of millions and acquiring other companies, we're offering it really on a rev share uh, to smaller operators so they can they can compete and grow their business in that capacity. That really resonates with me profoundly, like as a human being, to do that. Yeah, I, look, uh, we run a small shop as well, and I can tell you without our tech stack, there's no way that we could compete. And it's unbelievable what uh, folks like you and the uh, real estate tech industry have done over the past you know, five, 10 years to revolutionize the business and really open it up for everyone. Um, so yeah, once again, uh, huge value add, particularly for us small folks. So um, one of the, uh, the other things I wanted to touch on um, is uh, with that, where do, you, where do you see ultimately some of the tech application going for, do you think that the future is smaller and smaller or do you think you guys are gonna be just scaling generally across the board? Uh, well, I think Jetstream is gonna keep scaling because we're serving multiple uh, smaller pillars, but if you mean uh, as, as the as the industry in general, where it's all heading, I I think obviously this is no secret. I'm not coming up with anything groundbreaking here, but I do think that obviously there's going to be more and more and more technology and adoption of technology and real estate. And real estate. I was at the NAR IOI event in LA a few months ago, and the stuff I saw there a lot around the fintech payment loan processing. I think there's a lot of middlemen that are going to get squeezed out by technology. I'm sure this is no surprise. Yeah, yeah massively, uh, which means things get done a lot faster, 
a lot less friction. I, I do think there's a lot of, in many ways, there's a lot of exploitative layers. And I don't mean that in a super, super bad way, but there's a lot of layers in our current system that are extracting quite a bit of wealth. And I believe that a technology is going to definitely squeeze a lot of that out. Uh, and there's a lot of room in real estate for that. Yeah. So uh, we're going to get to, uh, I think that leads us into our final four questions and gives us kind of a, a long-term big picture perspective on you and kind of the industry. So I wanted to start out besides that, besides we're talking um, that portion of how you see the future going. 10 years from now, what do you think is going to change most in the real estate industry, particularly hospitality? I, I like to think that there will be a democratization of the, of the, yeah, of the people who can participate in this rewarding and exciting industry. And, and I know I'm sort of plugging Jetstream here, but I'm actually seeing examples of this. Not too long ago on the hotel side, in hospitality, before the advent of Airbnb and the, you know, do-it-yourself vacation rental management, hospitality was a big money game with large hotel chains, big expensive technology stacks. And then all of a sudden Airbnb comes in and goes, hey, <laughs> you, you know, you could rent your spare bedroom and make extra money. Okay, well, that's a, that's a massive disruptor and we all know that. And then people started saying, well, I could do 10 Airbnbs. And then so software has been building around that and we're that flavor, we're that generation of software that is empowering kind of just about anybody to now do short-term rentals uh, or vacation rentals. One of our, give you an example, one of our really unique customer base, which we just signed up another one last week, is cleaning companies. Oh, wow. So back to the whole selling hours for a living, cleaners sell hours for a living. <laughs> it's like $200 per clean or whatever it may be. And they enjoy the relationship with the asset owner. Well, by powering by Jet, with Jetstream, now all of a sudden they can be a local property management company and they can still do the hours per clean, but they can also do a percentage of the booking, which is kind of moving up in the economic world. So that's another flavor of somebody else that can now play in this game. Um, I was speaking to a good friend of mine recently and he had this wonderful idea of creating these mixed use buildings in urban cities where the artists are being uh, gentrified out of communities. And he's like, yeah. I would just love to do a building where it's half long-term living for artists, hyper-subsidized, and then the other half sh short-term to pay for the other half as a not-for-profit. And I'm like, wow, what a great idea. And he's like, and of course, I'd want to work with Jetstream. So, yeah, I just think the technology is going to enable more and more ideas and, and yeah, democratization of access to the, to the opportunity is what we're going to see more. Yeah, fascinating. And, and that last example with really true placemaking is... is Phenomenal. I, I know personally, I have a lot of friends from uh, a past life in New Orleans, and they're just really struggling to keep that culture, keep that community that brings people in and all those ideas of placemaking that that would be a, a phenomenal change in the industry. Yeah. So, so the next thing I, I wanted to, to talk about is if you could travel back in time and you could give uh, give yourself some advice on on your career. What would it be? Because ultimately, you know, when we all reach kind of a point where we start to get things humming in our career, we realize that we've done so many things <laughs> uh, to get there that, that we might change. Yeah. 
I would definitely give myself the advice and I would give it to all the listeners <laughs> that, and you, real estate knows this more. I came from a traditional university degree for, you know, five years, mechanical engineering, never really liked it, but I just, you know, I needed a degree in this and that. And then I graduated as well. I might as well work in this thing because I studied it in this and that. And nine years later, I finally left and really didn't like those nine years of my career at all in many respects. I think I would just say, go for it. You have a brain, just go and work hard. I think I just saw the world much more siloed before. It's like, well, that's what I studied. This is what I need to work. And it's not like that at all. And I think that's in many ways what I've enjoyed so much of the real estate space. I just was at the NAR event in Orlando. Um, it's to see how your degrees and your, like, that doesn't matter at all. Color, shape, size, anything doesn't matter. It's your hustle and you can make 20 grand a year or you can make a million bucks a year in this industry in real estate. And it's all how hard you work and you know how networked you are. I love that. That's true to my roots. So <laughs> yeah. So I would say to my younger self, trust, trust it, just go for it. It'll work uh, out. Yeah. I'd like hundred percent in agreement. I, I, I think an ounce of grit is what it takes and having faith in yourself is yeah. probably the best darn advice you can give anybody on this podcast. Um, so the, one of the, the, uh, final four that we always try to ask folks is what real estate or business books have you read that inspired you? Um, and I know you've mentioned a couple, um, and that's fine if, if those are your books, uh, but what, what should, uh, our listeners be out there reading? I haven't read. And that's not to say, I'm not saying there's none out there. There's a million out there. Um, but in terms of the ones that have, that really, I mentioned already the Emeth. that's, I mean, it's a classic, I know it's old, but it's, but the other one that really shaped my mind and these are old is why I'm, I'm like, maybe it's not as relevant, but to me, it was the, uh, the world, the uh, world is flat by Friedman that, and I think they've created a new version revisited, which I haven't read yet, or, <laughs> or that book also blew my mind back in the day. Uh, so those are two recently, I read the Netflix, um, no rules, rules, more around culture. Uh, and we've certainly had everybody in the company read the book uh, it's around, you know, how did Netflix scale to be so big yet still so creative? How do you kind of culturally build in the ability to be hyper nimble and responsive and creative? Um, that's a tough question for most companies. And that book I thought was a really good template for it. Oh. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. tremendous template and, uh, Thomas Friedman is phenomenal as well. I mean, the whole scalability of the modern world with the yeah. internet is, uh, something that I don't think people 20 years ago even imagined. And, and now we, we still can't imagine how much the world is changing. Um, yeah, exactly. And with crypto now, and I, you know, I'm not a big crypto, but like the whole blockchain that opens this again, like a new frontier again, what that means and what that means for, for FinTech and so on. And this is kind of some of the applications where I'm like, oh boy, some people are going to get disrupted here pretty good. And decentralization. I mean, you could just go down, down the list. And, uh, and that last bit, you know, I think the biggest change that we see that we're seeing is kind of who influences us as decentralized. It used to be really localized or traditional hierarchies. And so the last question we always ask is, who has influenced you the most in terms of, you know, building uh, your, your tech uh, platform? And if so, uh, is this a person that we'd like to have on the podcast? Yeah, uh, well, in the day-to-day, -day, my biggest inspiration in business has been my business partner. 
he'd already had a successful tech exit by the time we met. And he kind of seen me work and hustle and thought, you know, well, I should be good to have this guy in the business. And he's my friend. And yeah, what Mike, Mike Liverton's his name, you know, he brings that hustle factor to the a millionth level. Uh, and that's inspiring because that's back to, you know, I didn't know that part of anyway. So I have a lot of, a lot of inspiration from him. You can certainly have him on the podcast, but a lot of the story would be the same as myself. <laughs> I have another name though for you for this. Okay. Uh, have you heard or talked to Daniel Dubois in Canada? I've heard the name. But okay. I so we bought his business in the early days of Jetstream before we figured out really what we're all about. We did this acquisition. It was just a share purchase and we inherited all of his investors and he's definitely a child star prodigy, not child, but young, like early 20s prodigy at the time, Daniel. And it was just, it was like an Airbnb for outdoor gear, share shed, nothing ever came of it. But he then, you know, he went on to work for Airbnb and now he's got a really cool concept called key living. And okay. I think that would be interesting for your show because that's a yeah. very also disruptive idea for real estate. Very cool. Yeah, I know we have to, we have to bring him on. So uh, in the end, um, I, I think you're an unbelievable, um, asset to reach out to if, if you're someone in the hospitality industry, if you're looking to uh, to really revamp your business and you have a huge value add. If someone wanted to reach out to you, uh, where's the best place to get in contact with you? Yeah, very open. So our website is jetstreamtech.io. That's our website. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. My last name is L-A-V, like Victor, O-I-E, Lavoie. Type Lavoie Jetstream. I'll probably come up. Google, and you can also email me directly, which is my first name is Emmanuel, which is E double M A N U E L at jetstreamtech.io. Emmanuel, thanks for yeah. on the podcast, and uh, we appreciate it. And we hope to uh, maybe have you on soon again. Thank, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Warren. Thank Take you. Care. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please give us a like, a five star rating, or review. Your comments and interactions and subscriptions matter for the podcast algorithm, and they help us continue to get guests our viewers want to listen to and learn from. You can follow us on YouTube, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Gordon Lamphere with The Real Finds Podcast. Thank you for listening.